Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. Hi, Bruce. Uh, and uh, we we came across this issue last week where we were we had six people. Oh, well, oh, woe is us. We had yeah, six so, people at my house, all vaccinated, playing <laughs> magic together. Yep, that's right. What a um, bummer. <laughs> that that snark's gonna feel real weird in three months when this when this podcast drops uh, <laughs> um yeah so like as things are opening back up again we've been starting to play in person again and having four people is pretty easy a four-player pod having five people makes it a little more difficult having six people makes it really confusing so we just kind of wanted to talk today about uh the the different I guess variants or the the different ways you could uh, incorporate everyone so that you're not just having a pot of four and then having two people on the side um, or one person on the side. Uh, you know, you'll you'll you could go online and find infinite ways to play magic um, with more than four people. Um, we're not going to talk about free-for-all because it is pretty obvious. You just kind of get everybody to play. And you're playing. You, you attack whoever. Last man standing wins. Uh, yeah. So, getting that out of the way. <laughs> it was funny. We were going to have five people. At the time of recording, we're kind of in this process of going back and forth between playing online, on spell table, and playing in person. Because some people have moved out of state since the pandemic started, and we want to kind of... We want to incorporate everyone we can. Um, so we had five people say that they could make it for our Thursday night game? Wednesday night game. Thursday. I don't remember. Right. Either way. Um, and thing about spell table, you, it does not... Uh, it's, max, it's max limit is four. Spell table uh, is not five player friendly. Mm, or six player. Um, no. So we decided to change it and play in person because we realized everybody that said that they could make it was local. Anyway, uh, extraneous detail aside, um, once we said we could do it in person, we had a sixth person say that they could make it. So then we had to make a decision. With six people, there are... A handful of ways you could play the game. So let's let's start off with the the even one out six people. Um, you could do what we did with six people and have two three player games next to each other. Uh, this comes with its own pros and cons. Um, pros is that uh, it's the it turn t- turns take faster, or at least rounds take faster. Uh, gets back to you quicker. Uh, potentially. Yeah, in theory, with three-player games, you're going to get more games in um, because you're just playing that much faster. If if you if every turn takes three minutes, then you should be getting that many more turns than you would in a four or a five or a six-player game. So it should end games faster. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that always appeals to me about you know doing two three-player games when you've got six players is this idea that, well, this is great because we'll play one game like this 
and then we'll swap all the <laughs> opponents, you know, and then we'll get a new new sets of three players. So you're not playing with the same three people all night long. Um, and that's contingent on a few things. <laughs> well, that is uh, that is very uh, it's very hopeful on my part because it's yeah over and over when this happens, one of the one of the games ends up finishing much sooner than the other. And then those three players look at each other and say, how long are we willing to wait for these other three guys to finish? Right. The whole point of breaking into three-player games was that so we could play more. So are we going to sit here and wait for them, or are we just going to play another game? So invariably they play another game, and then the other team finish, the other group <laughs> finishes, and then they're asked the same question. So yeah. you end up playing with that same group of three people all night long, and you look at the other table and say, how was your night? Because yeah. it was as you have, though... You've got six people all hanging out together, and it's really like you're only hanging out with two other people. Right. Um, and I... Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of the default, I guess, for us, for when we go to six people, just because it is easier to get into. Uh in terms of like, all right, let's sit down and play a game. Uh, but there are uh, numerous, like I said, variants uh, that require a few more rules or at least understandings getting into the game. Um, th- I think uh, the the logical uh, next step could be the inverse of two three-player games, which is... Um, a three two-headed giant game. Um, for those who don't know, two-headed giant, you're in teams of two. You can see each other's uh, hands. You use separate decks. Do you each have a life total? Um, no, it's a or shared, is it, it's a shared, it's a shared life, life total. total. Um, and you've got two opponents made of four people. Right. Um, now, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. for the podcast here follow along closely people this is a situation where we're essentially taking where we try and speed the game up by having multiple players play their turn at the same time with a three uh, a three-way two-headed giant one of the one of the pairs they're playing their turn at the same time so we've got two players playing at once that's how we speed things along that's how you take an unwieldy number of people because the downside for uh, a six-player multiplayer game mm-hmm. where nobody is paired up is only one person's playing at a time. It is a lot harder to get go round and round the board and eventually whittle it down to just one person standing <laughs> when, you've, when you're only getting a turn every, you know, every six players. It just, games are just going to take longer that way. So a way around that is to have two or more players taking their turn at the same time. That's where the two-headed giant, uh, this three-way two-headed giant, essentially you're just, you're still doing that one three-player game. Right. But you're jamming all six players into that one three-player game and you're pairing people up. Um, it's a way for uh, well, for groups like, like ours to make sure that everybody's actually involved in the game. So yeah. that you can actually get to talk and, and be with everybody in the group as opposed to just the three of you that, that are in your in your game. And with with like a format like that, make sure that um, 
and I feel like this is kind of important to say, uh, make sure that your two-headed giants are somewhat randomized because left to your own devices, you will end up uh, choosing people who are on a similar, like, or like you'll have the, you'll, you'll just end up having the strong players together and the not so strong players together. And then it just becomes unbalanced and kind of, kind of boring. Right. Um, I'm also a big fan in those, in those sorts of events of uh, randomly choosing decks or yes. choosing decks and then randomly choosing your partners. Um, the last thing you're looking for in a two-headed giant game is if it just so happens that two players are both have a, both have a goblin deck, <laughs> and now they've agreed to pair up and play their goblin decks. Right. This is just. Uh, I mean, I did. I have played uh, a two-headed giant game where I was one of the players and I chose elves, and it just so happened my opponent also chose elves. Now. This was completely at random. We randomly paired, randomly chose jacks, and that's how it came out. Unfortunately for my, for our opponents, the game, you know, didn't end quite as quickly as we would have hoped it did. But we did we did win the game because we the decks had so much synergy together. Um, mm. So we like to I like to try and make sure that we mix mix and match a lot because you want to limit the likelihood that you're creating synergies. Uh, I mean, if you know going in that night that this is how it's going to be, and the two players who are partnered together, each of them have a chance to talk to the other and, you know, work that out, well, then maybe the synergies all balance out. But um, more often than not, it seems like you don't know you're going to have six players until everybody <laughs> shows up at the house, and then you realize how many you have. So, um, so just, do, just do what I do and bring all your decks. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, which that kind of actually leads us into our, our next, uh, format, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, which, uh, kind of goes hand in hand, which is hidden ally, um, hidden ally for those who don't know, uh, is you break up into teams of two, uh, randomly, you don't know, basically the easiest way to do this is to get, uh, I've seen it done with basics, so you just, you have uh, two of each basics, but as many groups of two as there are of people, if that makes sense. So right. if you've got six people, um, two you plains, have two swamps, two islands. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, shuffle them up. Each person picks one, keeps it hidden. Um, before the game starts, one person from each team reveals which team they are on. The other person on the team does not reveal. And that's kind of how it goes. Um, right. I mean, quite often when you do the shuffle for that, one way, mm-hmm. to, one way to do that to make it just to make it all work is you take your three pairs um, and you have three of them face down and three of them face up. So one swamp face down, one swamp face up. Uh, same with the islands, same with the planes. Mm, and then smart. shuffle them all together. Yeah, Preferably last thing you want look. is every six every person to show their card at the beginning. Right, you don't want everybody showing um, their card at the beginning, and in theory, especially at the start, nobody knows who has what. So you can't just go around the table and say, show your card, show your card, and you can't say, mm. oh, I can't show my card, 
Yeah. Or yeah, if you somehow mark them, one. like, yeah. like planes one, planes two, and then all the people with the ones hold it up, right. like that type of thing, just so that you know. So like, the game ends when a person or an ally pair is left, um, right, and the strategy of it all kind of comes down to you don't want to give away too fast that you are somebody's ally because the rest of the teams will gang up on you but also there could be a lying element with it um you know one person's like hey i'm your ally but like another person be like no i am uh and then you don't know right um and now now i will say the um the one of the reasons that you choose this option because you can have a winner with more than one people with more than one person still playing the game. So again, we sh- we're shortening the game from the six player random where everybody has to die but that one player. Mm-hmm. We're shortening it by saying there can be more than one player still alive. And that's right. how you how you move it along. Um, I should also say that uh, quite often what you end up seeing is the three players who are whose uh, allegiance is exposed. When you're one of those players, you don't necessarily want to attack one of the unknown players because you right. might be attacking your ally. So, But you do know that these other two players are not your ally, so you can feel free to attack them. Now, the three players that are unknown, that the rest of the group doesn't know who they're, who they're allied with, they know they're not allied with each other. <laughs> Because and they know, their yeah. ally is, is exposed. And they know who their ally is. But they're trying to hide it. So at least initially, what you end up with are two three-player games that sort of continue on until it becomes obvious that one player in the revealed three-player game is getting close to dying. And that's usually when you see the other players say, okay... I can finish this guy, so I will reveal that I'm not his partner and take him out of the game. Mm. And that's when you start to see the crossover. So at least initially, you see less crossover unless you've got people who are uh, truly chaotic and love that and and just want to create all kinds of weird dynamics where (laughs) they will choose to attack one of the revealed players when they're a hidden player. Um, thereby you can say that they're revealing that they're not that person, that partner. But I've had games when I've attacked my partner (laughs) solely to convince somebody else that I was their partner when I wasn't because I wanted to set it up for a moment when I could convince them to tap out and go and then I could come in and hammer them. Um, Very sneaky, Bruce. Yeah, it didn't work. But... um, (laughs) Um. Sometimes it does. And also to note, uh, if your ally wins while you are dead, you still win. You still win. You still win. Yeah. Because, you know. Um, Along the same lines, there's also uh, a myriad of hidden role type uh, games. Um, They are generally five plus people. Uh, Five or six generally is like the the sweet spot for these types of things. Um, if you've ever played uh, 
like werewolf or secret Hitler or I mean among us Mm -hmm. uh, it's that kind of thing where there is uh, a number of people that are the bad guys Um, I will use an example Um, I believe it's called like assassin or something I mean there's so many names for these types of things Um, you've got a king you've got the king's guard you've got I don't know peasants or something like two peasants and then the fifth person is the assassin um the king wins if he isn't dead by the end of the game uh and the assassin wins if he kills the king or something the king reveals himself at the beginning of the game uh there are rules i've read where like after four turns the assassin reveals himself uh if you are interested in one of these types of formats or variants please look into them um, they seem rather interesting and exciting, and maybe we'll do an episode in the future about it, but they are so uniquely complicated uh, that... Uh, right, and the joy, with e- the joy with each of these is um, we've now reached a point where they all have so many uh, variants within themselves so that the rule structure, even if we were to describe the rule structure beyond the basic idea of some people are hidden, some aren't, and the games end when there are multiple players still alive. Um, that's the whole point of a lot of these scenarios. And we talked about that with Hidden Allies. We talked about that with, with Assassin. So you can have larger games that can finish in a reasonable time because you don't have to kill everybody on t- at the table. It also spices it up a little. There's like yeah. an alternate strategy to the game rather than just being like i'm comboing off or i'm killing a person and then another person like you are trying to figure out some sort of secret information that you don't know um it's a game with a magic overlay yeah Yeah. um Um, and then along with that format I, i wanted to mention star here because star is is one that that we use regularly and it, I was gonna say we can talk about Star when we get back from break. So that sounds even uh, better. But before break, <laughs> okay, we've got one six-person uh, format I want to talk about. Sure. And I know you want to talk about it so bad because it's your favorite thing in the world. Uh-huh. Uh It's called Emperor. Um, break into two teams of three, um, and you've got two emperors. Um, I guess you figure out who that person is yeah the best Um, the best way to describe emperor is two teams of three they they all sit next to each other the emperor sits in the middle of each of the teams yeah um how you determine emperor how you determine the lieutenants or whatever else you want to call the other players on the team is up to you how you determine who's you know what decks you use that's up to you you can make it as random or as unrandom as you choose generally speaking uh turn order goes around the table so eventually teams get three turns in a row um and the goal is to kill the opposing emperor um and again uh most of the games that i've played of emperor have been in 60 card casual games so we were Mm -hmm. talking about life totals of 20. Uh, i know plenty of people who have done this uh, playing with commander decks and 40 life totals. Um, those games are not for the faint of heart. 
And if you were looking for multiple games to finish in one night, I do not recommend going this route. <laughs> um, while uh, Commander does, uh, the way Commander tries to speed things along is because you just have to kill the Commander, other players can still be alive when that, when that person dies. So in theory, a Commander game can end when the second person dies if if it goes that yeah way. if they if the team really puts it to the floor right and goes for it um yeah the game ends when an emperor is dead yes um the other team wins ta-da um there are uh various rules that you can choose to play by or not um so i mean the biggest rule that is generally played by is that you attack the opponent closest to you. Uh, so if you're on the left side of your team, you attack the person to your left, uh, who is the right side of the opposing team, if that makes sense, um, and vice versa. So like if you're on the right side, essentially you're attacking the person, yeah, yeah, to to your left or to your right if it is your opponent, right. Um, I know that there are also rules out there that say that you could or that you could implement that also like targeted spells. You can only target things to that person. Uh, along with that, uh, I know you had mentioned. I don't know uh, before. Uh, emperors can target uh, two people out. Right. So like so, either side of the. Yeah. So sometimes uh, what can happen in some games, um, the range is one. For everybody so you can only ever target yourself and the people sitting next to you um, in other games the range the range is one for the lieutenants but the range is two for the commanders so the commander has the ability to hit emperor. the or sorry the emperor the emperor has the ability to hit the opposing lieutenant but the lieutenant can't hit him back because that other lieutenant is in the way all the more reason to get rid of the lieutenant so that <laughs> that way all the range all the ranged related stuff can now come in and it means that the, the uh, emperors can now hit each other um, because we've reduced the, the number of players and eliminated that. But again, I mean, emperor is another one of these ones where you can go find out what a variant is, try it that way and say, you know, this would be way better if we did this. And, you know, just tailor it to your play group, make it make sense for you. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, I was kidding when I said this was Bruce's favorite because it is, it is his least favorite. He, I, I've never played a game of it uh, because Bruce is so against it. I, I hate Emperor. Um, <laughs> I, if I've got six players, I would rather play two the three-way two-headed giant. I would rather break up into groups of three. Emperor games, I find, are so fraught with uh, accidental wins you know, it's just so easy to end up with one emperor whose deck is perfect for being in the emperor slot where they can't be targeted for a handful of turns. And then their, their opponent is running an emperor deck uh, that is completely reliant on creature damage. So it, it's just sitting there doing nothing and can do nothing to get to the other, to the mm. other emperor. Um, or you'll play someone who's... Uh, uh, one of the lieutenants gets completely mana screwed and just ends up sitting there and being uh, uh, 
you know, they're just, a, they're, they're essentially a meat stick that is just, <laughs> you know, just sitting there getting whomped on until they're gone. And now they can start coming after the commander. It's one of these variants that I, that to me feels like there are so many ways for this to be an unfun game that most games that I've played just aren't that much fun. Um, I mean, I recommend that you try it for yourself. Uh, give it a couple of shots. Maybe, maybe with your group, maybe you'll, or maybe you'll choose a variant that, that works with your group. Maybe it's because I prefer chaotic games. So, uh, we're not, we're most of the emperor games that I've been involved with have not been structured to determine what deck is playing in each position. So maybe that's something that could fix, mm. could fix the issues that I feel like the, the, the game has. Um, my other issue with Emperor is if the game ends quickly, it just doesn't seem like it was that much fun because two opponents just died quickly. And, you know, it's a lieutenant and an Emperor. But the games that are more interesting in Emperor are the ones that end up going on really, going on for a long time. And part of the reason that you were playing Emperor was to try and cut down on the amount of time. So, um, yeah. 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 So, um, and on the flip side, we'll talk about Bruce's favorite format when we get back from break. Um, so let's let's head over to our break, uh, and we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Gamekeeper. Hey, Gamekeeper here. I've been hot on the trail of this wild creature for a few turns, and you would not believe the things it can do. It has reach... It can gain you life or draw you a card? Wait, what's this? It can even create beasts? Oh man, the Elder Gargaroth seems truly legendary. I can't wait to finally meet this thing. <gasps> I hear it. I think it's just around this corner. Here you go! Gamekeeper. Everything you ever wanted. And sometimes, more. Sometimes. Oh. That's just a fertilid. And now back to you. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, we're back. Uh, <laughs> that was hysterical, Andy. I can't wait for everyone else to get to hear it, too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I, uh, if you, if you, uh, missed the first half of this episode or if you forgot uh we're talking about what to do with five six seven people when playing magic eight is pretty obvious you draft uh eight <laughs> or two two four player bots eight is like the dream number everybody mm. dreams of getting eight magic players and yeah you can draft you can draft you can draft commander legends you can draft, you can draft regular battle draft. bond you can draft battle bond you can mm. uh you can like I said, split into two pods of four and just play Commander anyway. Whatever you want to do, eight is great for that. It's but seven, if you only have five people, we got a cool little format called Star. Uh, do you want to explain Star? Sure. Um, Star, much like Hidden Allies, much like the Assassin format, is a format that uh, speeds things along by allowing you to win the game with other players still involved. 
the easiest, the most basic form of star is essentially picture picture the uh, the colors of magic on the back of a magic card. There's five colors. You've got five players. Each player plays on one of those spots. The goal is to get rid of the enemy colors to where you're sitting. So if you're seated in the white spot, then you are trying to get rid of the red player and the black player. Uh, if you're in the blue spot, then you're trying to get rid of the red player and the green player. The goal is to be the first person to get rid of both of their enemies. Now, this can mean a lot of things because, um, one, you can win just by eliminating your enemies, uh, or two, there can be two of you who are going to win because uh, in eliminating the, your last enemy, your other opponent is also seeing their last enemy killed. So, mm. in other words, those two players then share the win. Uh, so, but either way... <laughs> Essentially, that last player got killed by both of his enemies. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but in essence, there are, there are almost always going to be more than just the two of you left. It's very hard to get down, to get a hidden allies game to the point where uh, there are only the two of you left and you're still fighting it out. Um, right it's usually somebody else has managed to win at that win by that by the time you get down to yeah or before you I've... get down to two now i like this format just because i like how quickly things move um and i like that there's a bit of strategy to it because if the partner said if your partner or one of your mm -hmm. one of your allies allies yeah if one of your allies gets out to a roaring start and they kill off uh or they are, you know, doing a number on one of the opponents. You may want to try and encourage them to go after the opponent that both of you have. Because you want them to get rid of that opponent first, so you only have one left to do. Or, mm. if you see that they're going after the other opponent that you don't really want dead, then you can go after your other opponent and just focus on them. Because you know at some point the two of you are then going to work to get rid of that one opponent. And you want to, you want to get rid of your, both of your opponents at the same time. So there's, there's some strategy there to who you're attacking and when you're going to attack. I've even played in a couple of games where uh, I managed to get myself into a board, a board state where I was very confident that I could win the game. Uh, and I decided it wasn't going to share the win. So I attacked one of my, I attacked the guy sitting to my left, um, who was technically an ally, but I was like, no, you're, you're at like five. I can finish you off and then finish him off. And I had full confidence I could do this. And in fact, I was able to do it and I won the game. Uh, that's not Ooh. really, it's not really in the spirit of the format because the whole idea is to try and get the games ending faster. And by attacking one of my allies, I wasn't speeding up the game. I could easily have yeah. just got finished the game, won the game, shared the win, and moved on. But honestly, I thought yeah. it was freaking hysterical to do it the other <laughs> way. So I did. Um, and I think everybody other than the person that I killed thought that was pretty funny. It's a very fun, uh, more politically driven uh, format or variant right? Uh, where... Uh, you are almost encouraged to 
chat amongst your allies. Uh, maybe not necessarily show your whole hand, but, uh, you know, help out uh, if they're getting beaten down or help out if they're about to kill somebody and they, like, need one mana, you know. Uh, if you've got spectral searchlight, yeah. uh, you know, it very, very EDH kind of, uh, plays. Right. It, um, um, there's a, there are so many ways with, uh, like I tend to build a lot of my, I build in a lot of things on my decks where I find a card that does something when I swing, but it can also do something when somebody else is attacking somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, you know realistically those situations don't come up as often as i wish they would but when you're playing star they do come up like i'll regularly put uh, slayer stronghold in my deck with the idea being uh you know for the most part use it to pump your own creatures and give them haste but every once in a while if one of my uh one of my allies is looking to swing at one of my enemies well let me help you along there. Let's let's speed hmm. things up. I, I understand that you would like to get this creature you just cast into the fray quickly. Well, I can help mm. with that. Um, so there's all sorts of options that way. Um, or uh, whatever that green one is that gives trample as well. I mean, yeah, we had a whole episode about these utility lands right. uh, that are beautiful. Um, the other part that I like about this particular uh, variant is you can really run this with virtually any deck. Um, mm. I wouldn't recommend a deck that takes 20 turns to develop because <laughs> you now have two opponents that are looking at you and one other person. You are going to need to at least, at the very least, get some kind of defense up quickly. But for the most part, all of your commander decks probably will work. Uh, if you're playing 60 card casual, those decks will likely work as well. You just need to have a couple of lockers on the board and you should be fine. Um, so the, these are, are formats that can work even when no one is expecting that this is going to be a format, an option. So yeah, so I like that. That's another thing I like about, about the star format. Yeah, and kind of going off of that, another variant uh, that we generally like to play that does not speed up the game by any means, at least for us, is, is Planes Chase, or Plane Chase. Uh, go check out our episode on Plane Chase if you haven't already, but uh, generally, the gist of it is that you have a deck of cards that are the planes. You flip up the top one. It is essentially a world enchantment. Uh, helps the game progress. Uh, not necessarily speed up, but it helps it progress. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, plane chase is I've, adding, I've, it's adding more chaos. So you're going, yeah. you're going to get games where this, where it slows the game down, where it extends the game, and you're going to have other games where it just everybody takes off. I mean, when you hit the right group of planes, and suddenly by turn four, everybody's got seven or eight lands out. Things are going to happen, and they're going to happen quickly. So, mm. um, but you know, again, I'm. Plane chase isn't. I don't think it's something that we're recommending when you've got a group of five or six players and you want to do a, a yeah. single game. More often than not, I think plane chase games tend to be longer uh, rather than yeah. shorter. So, um, I mean, simply put, you're adding a step to your turn. 
Um, yeah. So your you're adding gonna... you're adding more information that just ends up making things a little more complicated, right. or sometimes not. And then in those instances, it speeds up the game heck of a lot. And uh, right, definitely just a th- a nice thing to check out if you have. I mean, if you're doing free for all five player, it spices it up a little. Yep. Gives it a bit of a direction. Right. Um, we've. Oh, a big blunder with plane chase. Uh, don't do this. Uh, we had two four-person pods with a shared plane chase deck. Uh, so, with the idea that you have two games going on, you've got two players playing simultaneously, uh, one in each game. Now, you can only roll the die at sorcery speed. Uh, so, say. One person's on their first main phase in one game. The other person's attacking in the other game. Uh, Bruce. Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, they roll plane chase uh, after. Um, and this is kind of where house rules have to come in. Because you have to figure out how this interacts. Like, there's no official ruling on this. Um, if somebody's in the middle of combat, it could... Like they've already declared attackers, now the somebody's declaring blockers, and we've changed planes. Like what happens? Right. Um, in that moment, we decided uh, we move on, and we're in a new plane. Which, uh, unfortunately for Bruce, it didn't turn out well. But looking back on that, I mean, I feel like that could be easily ruled as like, oh well once we are able to cast sorceries, like once there is yeah. nothing on the stack and we're in a main phase, uh, there are ways to get around it. Um, it's a fun, silly, chaotic game. If you ever want to check, like do something like that, have two pods share a plane. It's weird. Uh, yes. Yes. It's, it's just very weird. Um, one thing to keep in mind is players have to, uh, maintain a good rate of speed on your on your turns. Uh, mm. it, it can be very easy to sort of look over and say, have you rolled that die yet on your turn? And just sort of wait until they've done it to see what happens wait. before you go on. <laughs> and that's the last thing you want for your games. Keep them moving. Nobody nobody should be waiting for the plane chase the, the, for mm. somebody to roll a plane or die. Uh, in a different game to to yeah. affect what's going on in yours. It's a great way to bog things down miserably. So, um, But to wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to... Let's go, let's go back and forth with some, some ideas yeah. on how to actually speed up the game. Sure. Um, with EDH being a generally casual format, um, you can always introduce house rules. Um, we generally play edh or casual 60 and it is very much kitchen table magic on our end um so if everyone's cool with it and you've and you want to get in one last game for the night or if you're like we've been playing a single game every week rather than like getting in two or three Mm -hmm. games think think of these as little tips to bring up be like hey let's let's try some of these see if it speeds up the game or if it breaks the game entirely um 
for instance, uh, Monarch is a great mechanic um, and should be used more often. Um, a house rule you could put in place is first blood gets the Monarch, so if you attack somebody else or somebody else takes damage, whoever deals the damage gets the Monarch. Or I've also heard uh, whoever is the last player in the turn order gets Monarch because they are already at a, a disadvantage in statistically the game. Yeah. a statistical deficit uh, so yeah just a cool little thing right um, I've also heard other people use take the monarch and change it so that it doesn't say combat damage oh so it's just damage um, sounds dangerous <laughs> I, I would I would be very careful that that's not a rule that you follow consistently because it won't take long before people start running decks that have ways to do a point of damage yeah just, just do a point of damage to everybody boom I Viridian am longbow <laughs> yes exactly um, it just and suddenly you become monarch regularly um, another option if you're looking for uh, if you've got a larger a larger group, and part of the reason you don't, you know, and you're looking to to get your games to move a little faster because you've got six players and you don't want to break into two groups of three, most of us know that commander games don't really get underway until we've got some mana on the table. We'll start with three. Everybody, everybody, grab three basics, put them on the table, and then start the game with start the game in that position. Just build in the ramp right off the bat. Um, it's you know it's an option you can get, you know give it a shot see yeah. see how it works for you it should move your games faster uh, I mean remember what you're trying to do is limit the the risk of multiple players uh, so that you get fewer fewer turns over the same period of time uh, so and you're trying to find ways to, or trying to find ways to speed up the game and uh, monarch does that by giving you more card draw throughout the course of the game. Uh, what I was suggesting is just upping your ramp so you get more mana, so you can immediately jump into bigger spells. You get you get into the mid-game much faster that way. Uh, mm. uh, um, a way to kind of speed up the game as well, uh, in addition to really kind of uh, make it so you don't end up getting flooded or screwed, um, First turn, first draw, draw nine, and then have everybody's max hand size be nine for like three turns. Not necessarily specifically nine, but like some something else. Like yeah. have it just kind of be a little bigger uh, for a couple turns, and then at the end of round four, or at the end of each person's turn on like round four, like or two, I guess. Like yeah, it doesn't where, have to be. However you decide. However you decide, kind of like mix mix up the the simplistics of the game. It also kind of opens your eyes to how honed in Magic is as a game. Um, you know, there's a lot of dials that the designers specifically have, or they 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 dial into for the specifics of the numbers of Magic. You know, you've got twenty life furries or forty in ADH. You've got seven cards in hand for a reason um and if you just change it a little see how it speeds up your game um if you're looking to speed up the game but um as long as you can kind of i mean 
reel it in a bit too. Um, if you're going to max hand size nine, do it for a few turns and then everybody, you know, discards down to seven at a certain point. Um, right. I mean, there's a reason you recommended a nine as your maximum hand size. And I said three lands because, mm. uh, I mean, sure. You could make your maximum hand size 15 and <laughs> the number of lands in play is seven. Uh, but that's not really conducive to a fun game because then things are immediately right. out of control before anyone even has a chance to to build up a board state to do anything about it. So right. you still want to be and, able to have that. Yeah, I think the thing too kind of that comes with that is like don't do it knowing like don't bring these ideas up to your group knowing that you can break it. Um, it's just to kind of make it more fun, more casual, like um, change up your mulligan rules, like something. Um, there are different ways to go about this. Um, that goes with any of these house rules. Is like don't don't overdo it. Like don't do it because you know you have the perfect deck to. Right. We're trying to speed the game. We're, we're trying to take uh, an unwieldy number of players and make it into a game that it, or make it into something where the game moves fast enough so that you can still get more than one game in a night. We're not mm -hmm. trying to create a situation where it's like, oh, check it out. I can combo on turn two. Like, well, <laughs> wonderful for you. Um, but, you know, we want that. We still want the games to be fun. So and a lot of that is going to rely on you and your friends to also want the games to be fun, to make these uh, variations work. Um, yeah. You know. I think it I think it also needs to be said that like our games, we have a weekly game every Thursday or Wednesday, depending mm -hmm. on the week, um, that we start at 6.30 and we usually end after 10. So it's a four hour game. Uh, and so this is, with that in mind these are these are ideas with that in mind that i mean we we play a generally long game um and i'm sure plenty of you out there also do as well yeah it's it's just kind of keep in mind the things that you want to do with magic but also the things that everybody else wants to do um right but so andy just to wrap up yeah Mm -hmm. What is uh, what is your preferred uh, game choice of games when we have when you have or you find yourself as one of let's say seven? Ooh, seven. Um, I don't know. Um, after having played a couple weeks of two three-player games, I'm like. <sighs> like i don't get to hang out with everyone i get to hang out with a specific amount of people so like right. i think with seven it's uh, even more difficult because like then you could have a four person and a three person um and then like the politics get all weird in the third the three person game um and the strategy is just kind of a little more out the window than in a four person game um so i guess like with seven people I don't know. That's, that's a tough question, Bruce. Um, I asked the tough definitely questions. Not a, definitely not a, a seven-person free-for-all. That's that's a little bit. You get your turn every hour. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say that 
um, I have tried Star in a mm-hmm. seven play with with seven players. <clears throat> with seven players, you can choose. You can just open up your space so you can create it so that you have one ally on either side of you, and you have to kill off the remaining four, or you can shrink it. So you have two allies on either side of you, and you only have to still only have to kill off two players. Um, that was very appealing to me. I hmm. will say it was less fun than a five-player star game, just because you know players who can get out to fast starts tend to win those games because there's just fewer opponents to take out and the game just ends faster. But uh, having said that, I will you know. I would try a seven. I would try a seven-player star game. Um, I think part of the reason this is so hard to answer is because, man, the answer changes mm. for any of these, and I think it's safe to say that it will change for all of you out there as well. You may have your favorite, but at some point, your favorite gets tired, and you want to try something else. So yeah, if I had seven players, sure, I would try a star game. And then after that, maybe I would want to split into groups of four and a group of set and a group of three, and play a game like that. Uh, and then maybe we'd try something else. Uh, just you know, I just want to shake it up. Yeah. So. And we want to hear we want to hear from you guys what your favorite variants are, what your house rules are. Um, so make sure to either tweet at us at falsepodmtg or email us at falsepodmtg at gmail.com um but uh i think that's gonna do it for us tonight we are temple of falsepod where our decks are not optimized but our plays sure as heck are fun i'm andy i'm bruce uh have a great night and may your fifth land be the temple bye Hey everyone, Andy here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Temple of the False Pod. Just a few housekeeping things here at the end of the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. Subscribe and give us a review. It really helps out the show. And it'll show us what you like about our podcast. Uh, Also, we've got a Twitter and an Instagram. Our handle is falsepodmtg, all one word. So be sure to follow us. Feel free to reach out to us there or drop us an email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com and tell us your favorite magic-related story. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again to you and to Bruce. He's Mana Burned on Twitter, and I'm Andy Weekend on Twitter and Twitch. We're Temple of the False Pod, where our decks aren't optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Have a great night, and may your fifth land be the temple.